This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Quarterfinals begin tomorrow for the Calgary Roughnecks after setting a franchise-high 13 wins in the regular season. Kurt Miloski and his group head into a matchup with Panther City tomorrow at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere at the Rough House. We've got Wranglers playoffs going now, and now we get to be joined by the Calgary Roughnecks playoffs to get going tomorrow. The other side of the West Bracket sees the Seals and the Mammoth meeting up later on today. Should be the beginning of what should be a great NLL playoff for the Calgary Roughnecks. Of course, uh, many players still on this team from the 2019 championship roster that uh, brought a title back to Calgary. Would love to see that happen again this year. But of course, it all begins tomorrow in a big game against Panther City. Sportsnet today is underway. It's hour two. Logan Gordon along with you and uh, chat all things Calgary Roughnecks ahead of their big matchup tomorrow against Panther City at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcoming goaltender for the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, Christian Del Bianco joins us. Christian, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? No, no, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Christian, great regular season for your group. I mentioned 13 uh, wins, a franchise high. You had a bye week to finish things off, but how do you look back on a pretty uh, strong regular season for your group? Well, you know what? I think it was, it was obviously a good year for us, and obviously we hit the the end goal of making the playoffs, but I think the biggest thing was just having that consistency that a lot of us talked about early on in the year. I know we always kind of talk about having slow starts in years past, and we kind of avoided that this year and just didn't go on those kind of slips and runs of, multi-losses in a row, right? We kind of had that consistency where we were able to to string along some wins, and, and when we did get in the losing column, we were able to, to recrack the ship pretty quick. So it was fun, and, and we're pretty excited to get it going here. Uh, how's the bye week played into all of this? I know it's an unusual one for you guys to have that time off right at the end of the season, but can it be an advantage for your group having that extra time getting set for the playoff game tomorrow night? Yeah, you know, I think for the most part, we actually think that sometimes it could be a disadvantage, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. nice playing Panther City. They're coming off the same thing, right? Having the same bye week at the year end. But I think the one thing that was good is we were fortunate enough to fly into Calgary, get some good hard practices in, and, and kind of don't make it so it was a full week and a bit off, right? Because it could be full two weeks between games if you uh, had just left the bye week at home. So we're excited, right? And obviously it did to give a couple guys who maybe were nicked up, they're ready to go. So it's good stuff. Uh, Christian, I have to ask you about uh, the year for yourself in the regular season. You finished second in the NLL in wins, first in minutes played, uh, fourth in saves. How do you look back at the year for yourself personally and what you were able to accomplish from a, an individual standpoint? No, you know what? It was uh, a fun year for me personally, but I think the biggest thing was just kind of the guys in front, right? It, I think we talk on and on about some of the defenders, right, in the transition game and the consistency we have offensively, right? So I think it's just fun when everyone's doing their part me included right everyone contributes to to the end result it wasn't just 
it's not three guys or two superstars carrying an entire roster, right? It's this group project where kind of our, our 10th best guy is just as important as our best guy. So that's where I think personally it was kind of fun to be a part of the dressing room, the locker room, and the overall success of the team. I have to ask you about this because your your teammates have been on this. I know fans across the city have been on this. Uh, there's been a big campaign to uh, to get you in the MVP conversation, and uh, I know you can I can tell you you want to talk about this as a team thing right now. But how cool is that to hear from your teammates and to hear fans and and people put you in that sort of conversation when it comes to the best player in the NLL? Yeah, you know what? Obviously, it's it's a bit of an honor just to be in that conversation, but. I think you look around the league, right? Most of the guys that are in that conversation or most of the guys that could be in that conversation, right? They, they don't really want to talk about it, right? I don't think any of us really like to, to put ourselves first. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is just kind of where your team's at, right? Making the playoffs, the wins, right? I think that's where we're all really kind of focused on. And obviously now with us having an opportunity to play in the playoffs, right? It's, it's that goal of getting to a championship, so... That, that one game at a time, the, the other stuff, the accolades, all the, the personal stuff is kind of secondhand for all of us. I uh, appreciate that for sure. And, uh, Christian, you mentioned uh, Panther City, your opponent coming up tomorrow. You saw them final game of the regular season. You saw them once again in April. What sticks out about uh, them as an opponent when you get ready for uh, another matchup against them for the third time this season? No, you know, I think they're kind of – they have some similar characteristics to us matchup-wise, right? They're They're a pretty consistent team, right? They do a little bit of everything. They do have the transition game going, and, you know, they're going to work hard, right? So I think that kind of comes from their coach, TK, right? He's mm-hmm. a Calgary kind of – his name's in the rafters <laughs> in Calgary, right? So we know what kind of guy he was when he played, and I think his team really embodies that, right? So I think we know it's not going to be easy. We know it's not going to be kind of a walk in the park. That's the reality of playoffs, right? I think at year's end here, we, we kind of last week we are seeing if we might be playing Colorado, right? And you kind of look at it, at the end of the day, you have to play good teams, right? You, you don't get to win the championship playing the 13th best team in the league. So I think we're just going to go out there, focus on what we can do and, and work hard, right? And, and win all the little battles because we know that's what they're going to try to go out there and, and kind of match us slash beat us in those categories. One thing that helps uh, with obviously picking up two wins against them this season and having the great year that you guys did, Christian, is it means that uh, tomorrow's game will be here in Calgary at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And uh, I'm well aware, and I know you're well aware of just how crazy this place gets during the regular season, but it gets pumped up a different level when the roughhouse turns to playoff time. How excited are you and the guys that you get to uh, start the playoffs off at home tomorrow? Yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously something that's pretty special to us, and I think it is also something that's talked throughout the year, right, about kind of giving a, a good show for our fans, right? We take it pretty serious that people are spending their hard-earned money to come watch us, right, and take their kids to come see us, all that stuff. So it's nice for us to be at home, but it's also nice to reward the fans with a home playoff game, right, and, and kind of give them the show and kind of show that their support has kind of got us to this point so far. Christian Del Bianco, goaltender for the Calgary Roughnecks, along with us. they got a playoff game tomorrow night at the Scotiabank Saddledome against Panther City. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of your teammates, Christian, starting with your captain, Jesse King. Finishes off with a 100-point season. First year with the C on his chest, and feels like he just embodies a bit of everything that this team likes to do. It's hard work putting in that effort, but he really did seem to take that step up with that C on his chest this year and really take being a leader to the next level. Yeah, you know, I think he's just kind of one of those guys we always joke, right? I kind of, I always used to jokingly call him Tim Duncan because I call him the big fundamental, right? Because <laughs> when you, 
you look at him and the way he plays lacrosse, it's just kind of, it's what you tell kids, right? When you're coaching a, a novice or a peewee kid, you're basically, you're saying that's the player you want to be, right? He's kind of a pass first player, right? He can obviously score. He's accountable in the def- like in, in stop and transition the other way. And obviously he shows up in shape. Like there, there's not a thing about the guy that, that he's not doing to, to be the best possible player he can be for the team. So I think he's a guy who's pretty easy to, to get behind and, Obviously, it was a pretty smooth transition losing a guy like Curtis. We, we knew we had a guy like Jesse to be the next captain. Uh, and I'd love to hear uh, how you think of a guy like Shane Simpson and what he does on the defensive side for you. He's one of those guys that, you know, there's a handful of you that were on this 2019 championship team in Calgary and have been around for a while. But Shane just seems like old reliable back there when it comes to, you know, what he does for the group on a defensive side of things, Curtis. Yeah, you know what? I, I could just talk on and on about our defense right whether it's Shane and Zach right in the transition game and, and kind of what they do for the ball team and scoring goals and then you got to have guys like Eli Salama Curtis Manning Liam LeClaire right it just keeps going Jeff Cornwall right like there's not a guy on that back end that I don't think worth is, is worth not mentioning right so everyone does the kind of their own little thing that's that's pretty special and contributes right and I think it just brings that balance, right? Having some of those stay-home guys and having those guys that can push the ball and just knowing when to push the ball. So a lot of those guys have had career years this year, so it's pretty awesome being the goalie behind them. Talk to me about uh, Kurt Miloski. He's been the coach here for a while now, uh, Christian, and I know coaches is always one of those positions that can be difficult to continue sending the message along and getting guys to buy in, but Kurt seems to have a really good feel for the group and understand you know, when to push, when to pull back on guys and, you know, sort of how to bring the group together every single year. What can you say about your head coach and the job that he's done for the group? Yeah, you know, I think just his work ethic's contagious, right? I think you look at Kurt and he's obviously been in the league for a couple of years and he obviously coached a bunch of us for the championship year. So I think the buy-in's never a question with him, but I think just when you maybe are lacking a little motivation some days, you'll get sent a 40-minute clip of all this video on other teams and this, that, and other that you realize he's he's putting in those hours to, to chop it all up for us, right? And kind of has a, a scenario for every possible situation on how we're going to run it. So when you have a guy like that putting you in, in positions to succeed, it, it's hard as a player to not motivate yourself to do what you have to do to be ready. You mentioned a strong year for you personally, uh, Christian. I'm curious what your relationship's like with Tyler Richards, the goaltending coach for the Roughnecks, and, and how much he plays into the kind of success that you guys have in the goaltending front. Yeah, you know, he's obviously one of my pretty good friends here, just playing the championship year with them. But we kind of always joke, and the players joke that he's my shrink, right? And he's, he's kind of <laughs> more the mental side of the game, kind of keeping me. I'm a pretty fiery person, right? Yeah. Can get going a bit at times, so. He does a really good job at kind of reeling me in when I need to be reeled in and letting me run when I need to run. So I'm pretty grateful for the relationship I have with him. And, and obviously, I think not just only the goalie situation, right? He's a guy who's won championships playing, right? He's on the bench for our championship. And I think he just knows so much about lacrosse and the defense and little things he picks up, I know, even help our, our defenders as well. Uh, Christian, last one for you. Are you guys looking for, a, obviously, a big playoff win tomorrow? Uh, third one against Panther City. If you guys want to walk out with a win tomorrow, what do you think uh, the keys are for your group? Yeah, I think it's just doing what, what we did all year, right? I think that uh, we never kind of had a game this year where we're saying, oh, we can afford to drop this one. or This one's not really – we don't need to go 110%, right? So 
I think the key is just just bringing it the way we have all year. Everyone shows up and, and everyone does their job, right? It's not not one guy carrying the load. Everyone does it as a committee, and I think if we keep doing that, we'll be successful. Uh, Christian, like I really appreciate the time. I know it's a busy one ahead of uh, game day tomorrow. Congrats on a great regular season, but more importantly, best of luck tomorrow to you and the guys, and hopefully you're coming out with their victory and we can talk about a longer playoff run for your group. Awesome. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you for having me today. Anytime. Thanks very much. Christian Dobianco, goaltender for your Calgary Roughnecks, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, the Calgary Roughnecks in action tomorrow for their first playoff game of the season. It's the West quarterfinals against Panther City. You know that place is going to be absolutely bumping. If you haven't already and you're looking for plans for Saturday, calgaryroughnecks.com. Go and get your tickets Third matchup this season against Panther City. They won both of them. They dominated Panther City in April. Had to have a comeback win on the last game of the regular season, but they still got it done. They've had a bye week, and they are ready to go. Uh, kicking things off at what's already a crazy atmosphere at the Calgary Roughnecks games. Uh, can only imagine what it's going to be like for playoff tickets. Uh, head to the calgaryroughnecks.com. Make sure you get in there on a Saturday. Uh, should be great. I can already tell you that there's a bunch of tickets sold already. Uh, as I look at the seating map for tomorrow. So get in there uh, quickly, bring a friend, bring somebody that's never been to one of these games before, and uh, you can absolutely have a great time on a Saturday night. It's a 7.30 face-off, Calgary Roughnecks, Panther City Lacrosse Club. And uh, as I mentioned, Christian, uh, very humble guy there, but uh, really one of the top candidates for MVP uh, this season in the NLL. He's been rock steady for this group. He's got a great transition game that helps them as well. Uh, he wouldn't talk about it, but I will because I think he's a very deserving candidate of that. His teammates have brought it up all year long. So you get a chance to go see Christian Del Bianco do his thing. I mentioned Jesse King, the captain, reached 100 points this season. He's a major offensive contributor for this group. And not all that long ago, 2019, 10 members of this current Roughnecks team helped bring a title to Calgary. They would love to do that again uh, this season, and they'll only do better uh, if you get out there and add to what's already a raucous atmosphere at the Rough House, CalgaryRoughnecks.com for your tickets. Again, 7.30 face-off on Saturday night against Panther City. Thanks to Christian Del Bianco for joining us there. Really appreciate that. Thank you to Laura from the Calgary Roughnecks for helping set that one up uh, a day before a game. Really enjoyed uh, chatting with Christian Del Bianco uh, on that one. Uh, quickly checking the NHL schedule for tonight. Just one game. Don't have to channel surf tonight, Taylor. You've just got the one matchup to watch for. It's the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes uh, meeting up in game two of this series. Devils were dominated in game one. Uh, tonight, they look to bounce back against Carolina. Uh, Akira Schmidt versus uh, Freddie Anderson. Carolina leads at one nothing. Uh, no channel surfing tonight. You just get to stick it on Sportsnet and uh, catch up with the Devils and the Hurricanes before we see uh, the Oilers and Golden Knights for the only game on Saturday night. So just one game apiece the next couple nights. Boo. Do you prefer the channel surfing? Well, they, Or they game after game? They stagger them nicely so that when one game ends, you just go on to the next one. It's true. I do enjoy that. You can just keep it on one channel for the entire night. But now Sunday's loaded up because now Sunday we have 1.30, 4.30, and 7.30 starts. So you can literally spend... You gotta get, do the morning, get all of your chores and everything or whatever you got to do out of the way. Your errand's done. And sit down for three straight hockey games on a Sunday afternoon. Sounds like my kind of day. Be perfect. I'm sure perfect. there's some Jays baseball mixed in there as well, though. Eh, 
do I want to watch wanna, them right do now? Do want to talk about how the Jays are doing right now? No, we're not going to talk about the Jays mm, right now. That would, that would hurt all of us. Well, and the good news is they're playing the Pirates, and the Pirates always think, oh, wait, the Pirates don't think this year. The, the Pirates are... The, Doing the baseball. Although they've lost four straight, so somebody's got to win But that was against tonight. Tampa, though. Somebody's got to win. I don't care. A losing streak is a losing streak, Taylor, and I'm going to take it. They've lost four in a row. Jays have lost five in a row. Bassett v. Hill is your matchup. 435 on Sportsnet 1. 18 and 4 Jays. 20 and 12 Pittsburgh Pirates, first in the NL Central. That might be the only time I've ever said that. In my entire life. And they've lost four straight. So they were 20-8 and eight at one point. Okay, but the New York Yankees are in last place, and I think that's what we can all celebrate right now. I know one person who doesn't like that very much, and that's okay. I'm okay if he, uh, if he doesn't feel great about that. I will say nothing. Yeah, Cam's a big Yankees guy if you missed it. Blue Jay. <laughs> or I should say Maple Leafs. Yankees, those are all Cam's teams. Whoever anyone likes to hate on, I'm probably on that team. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, yes, Jay's kicking off a series against the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend uh, with a matchup this afternoon. 435 uh, on Sportsnet 1 as the uh, Sportsnet television side of things uh, across uh, West Pacific East uh, channels. We'll have the hockey game for you tonight, so... Uh, and then 11.35 first pitch. So even on Sunday, Taylor, watch the Jays at 11.35 and then right into hockey at 1.30. Nobody expect me to do anything on Sunday. Perfect Because I will not. Perfect scheduling. Should be tons of fun. Are you like that, Cam? You just sit at home all day? Like on sports? the weekends? Yeah. Um, I usually, I find, I have to find time to kind of dig it out, you know, like, I'll look in the schedule and I'll say, oh, this team is playing at this time. Okay, so at this time, I'm going to be sat down, and then that's it. I'll watch what I need to watch. Everything else, I can kind of catch up on later. Mm. Interesting. You're a funny boy. Tell me you don't have ADHD without telling me you don't have ADHD. He's got to plan things out in between car washes for his Subaru. Once a week, buddy. Is it actually once a week? Or That's about thing? there, like a Friday or something. I'll or once a weekend, I'll take it down to the wash, big bucket, put oh, in you're my like hand washing. Yeah, put in the coins and wow, or tap my debit card and use the wand and everything. Yeah, it's great. Wow, you have like a like a your own uh, fancy brush for it and everything, and get in the wheels and all that. I do. Wow. <laughs> I do. Of course you do. Of course I do. I'm not even the least bit surprised. No, you're not. <laughs> that thing is always, always clean. clean. I take care of it because I'm proud of it. He'll sit it when he's driving. He lets it warm up before he actually starts driving. Wow. It's like I'm getting slandered for this, but it's like I'm just taking care of it, man. <laughs> okay, but when was the last time you checked your oil? This morning. Actually? Actually. Why? Because with these engines, you're supposed to check them about every time you fill up because they naturally burn oil. So whenever you fill up, just, you know, check the dipstick, put it back in, good to go. Seems like an awful lot of work. But I love every second of it. What can I say? Really? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't uh, You wouldn't go back and change anything? <laughs> 
Um, no, no, I'm okay where I am right now. Fair enough. Maybe one that doesn't break down every other day. All, all cars break down. Sure looks clean when it's in the uh, mechanic shop. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's always clean when it goes into my my good buddies yeah. at the shop. Yeah, the mechanics never have to clean it off. He fully has a favorite mechanic shop. I'm not even joking about this. Well, I have a guy. You, you'd have to. It goes in so often. I have a guy. Makes sense to have a guy. You if I need anything thinking. fixed on my car, I just go to my dad. That's free. There's nothing ever that goes wrong with my car. But... Well, see, that's a good thing. That's how you. Uh, that's how you save money. Also, Keep I don't get speeding kick tickets every oh, other week. Oh, every on. week I get one, and that's this is what happens. Blow. That's a low blow. Uh, <laughs> just want to mention this too before we get out of here. This segment, uh, Norris Trophy finalists announced last night. Uh, we've got Eric Carlson. And uh, the youngins, Adam Fox and Kale McCarr. Uh, this is voted on annually by members of the Pro Hockey Writers Association, presented to the defense player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in the position. Carlson gunning for his third Norris Trophy. Uh, he was 32 years old, led all defense with 25 goals and 101 points. First rear guard since Brian Leach did it in 91-92. Uh, fourth among all skaters with 74 even strength goals and fifth most time on ice in the league. Uh, While well, Fox won the Norris Trophy in 2021, he set a new career high with 12 goals this season, uh, eighth in point among blue liners with uh, 72 points in 82 games. And of course, Kale McCarr, your reigning Norris Trophy winner, uh, is a finalist for the third straight year. If he pulls off the win this year, he would become the first blue liner to win it in back-to-back years since Nick Lidstrom had a three-peat beginning in 2006, although he did miss 22 games due to injury this season. When he was in the lineup, 66 points in 60 games, uh, and uh, despite being sidelined, still ranked eighth among defensemen in goals above replacement. So three very deserving candidates. I don't know where you are, Taylor. I still think that we need to have a separate award for defensive defenseman and offensive defenseman, but um, I'm okay. These are three pretty strong nominees. Yeah, they're all pretty good. They're all deserving of it. But Carlson's going to win, right? Yeah. Yeah. He hit 100 points. Like I said, we haven't done that since before I was born when Brian Leach did it. And he still played 25-37. Now, is he the best defenseman in the league defensively? No. But he's the best defenseman on San Jose and played 25-37 a night for that team. Again, is it the perfect award? No. Would you like to have, um, like, the Selkie for defensemen? I think you'd probably want to have that. That makes more sense than just giving it to the guy with the most points every year, which doesn't actually happen all that often, actually. it's just You just have to have a lot of points. I think Carlson wins this. Yeah. I think it is too. Um, yeah, like you said, it's it's not really the defenseman's defense award. It's just the defensive player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability, and offense is part of that. I think Carlson's a lock for it. Uh, we'll continue to get uh, NHL award finalists uh, as the days goes on here during the uh, NHL postseason, including tonight uh, with the Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, we will not have that one for you tonight. We have Wranglers hockey 
uh, on your radios. 7.30 pregame with uh, GVP and Azam. 8 o'clock game for Wranglers and Canucks with Sandra Prasina on the call. Uh, Wranglers looking to eliminate the Abbotsford Canucks in this best of five series. We will take a break. Come back on the other side. We'll hear from our uh, weekly regular on the program, Adnan Verk, uh, to close it out on a Friday. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, wrapping up Hour 2 on a Friday. Logan Gordon along with you. Outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor in the other rooms. Quick reminder, you can catch this show or any of your other favorite Sportsnet 960 shows wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Every hour posted just moments after it finishes. Catch up on uh, replays of a conversation with Pete Labardius. Roughnecks goaltender Christian Del Bianco on the program today. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe uh, when you get those podcasts. Uh, we had a busy Thursday edition of the show and had to uh, move out our regular Thursday guest, Adnan Verk, uh, from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. And uh, what means he wound up jumping on the morning show, actually, with Russick and Rose uh, a little bit earlier today. But still wanted to make sure that we heard from uh, our good pal Adnan Verk and his regular slots here on Sportsnet today. So we'll flash you back to a little bit earlier today, talking all things NHL playoffs, some baseball stories, and even a weird story about pasta and uh, happenings in New Jersey around where Adnan uh, calls home nowadays. Uh, this is Adnan Verk from uh, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast with Rustic and Rose on the big show a little earlier today. But it's been a minute for our next guest, NHL MLB Network host. You also hear him on the Cinephile Podcast and the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And he's a movie star now. Uh, we say good morning to Adnan Verk. Adnan, what's going on? George, Matty, uh, I am a big movie star right now. My brother thankfully updated my Wikipedia page, which is a big day for me. He messaged me the other day. He goes, Hey, do you want me to update this? I said, I have no idea how to do it, but if you want to do it, go ahead. So, yes, the next time somebody Wikipedia's me, sees my whole sordid history, they will now also see I am in the film, Big George Foreman, voiceover, rumble in the jungle fight. It was a real blast. Oh, wow, that is, uh, that is fun. So when you, get that, when you get that message that you're going to be in a movie like that, what was your first reaction? Because you're, you're such a movie freak. You love it. Yeah, I was, I, I was stunned, George. My agent calls because you want to be in a movie. And I, no, I, I shouldn't even say that. I think the way he phrased it was, I have a cool opportunity for you. Then he okay. said, I got a movie for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, awesome. Because <laughs> cool opportunity, I have no idea what that means. Like, what am I, I'm pitching like some sort of soft drink. What is this going on here? <laughs> so as soon as he said, you're going to be in a movie, like, right. oh, dude, come on. Like, who's going to say no to that? Why, why is it even a question? Just yeah. book it and tell me, hey, be there at this time. I'm like, okay. Uh, so it was in a voiceover booth. Me and my friend Robert Flores, of course, we – Buddies from our ESPN days, we worked together at MLB Network, and all he said was, it's for a boxing movie. So I looked it up, and I said, okay, it's got to be Big George Foreman, which is coming out. This was late January. And then Robert and we walked in, we got the pages, and it's Rumble in the Jungle. I'm like, are you kidding me? And Rofo goes, like, we're huge Ali fans, because this is like one of the great fights ever. And I said, no, no, more importantly, now we're not going to get cut out of the movie. I said, if it was some insignificant... I said, if it was some <laughs> insignificant fight, I'd go, we're not going to make the cut. I said, but they're not going to cut Rumble in the Jungle. We are making the cut. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, what if uh, what if Frank D'Angelo called you to be in a movie? <laughs> I'm not sure that would go. <laughs> we all have, our, uh, all have our choices when it comes to some shady characters in the fight okay. game. But okay, for... I'll tell you one thing that's great. When, when, when we did the fight, I'll tell you this, though. We, we sure. drew the lines, and George Tillman, who was the director, 
you know, he's done soul food, men of honor, really good guy. He was like, this one, you're going to love this. He said, hey, we had a, a little struggle with this bit of dialogue. I go, okay. And we're literally doing it one line by one line. He's all right, great, do it again. All right, great, do it again. Probably five takes each time. And the lines are simply, Ali stole the ropes. Of course, you guys know the fight. Ali did the rope-a-dope style. Eventually, Foreman tired himself. Ali beat him. So George says, we got an issue with this line. I go, what's the line? He goes, uh, you can see it on your page. I look down the line, it says, Foreman. <laughs> my character says, Foreman's legs are rubbery. And then Robert's character says, and Ali's legs are strong. And he says, that just doesn't feel right. I go, no, it doesn't. And he says, what would you say? And I go, I wouldn't say a guy's leg. I don't think I've ever heard that. I would just say he looks gassed. I go, that's it. He looks gassed. He's done. He's tired. And Ali looks great. He goes, ah. And he kind of gives this look. He goes, see, that's why you guys do this job. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, um, I'm picturing that screamer sitting there going, Ali's legs are, Foreman's legs are rubbery. Yes. That will translate well. But can you ever watch the fight in your life? Who's ever said that? Come on. Um, that would be jarring. And for people uh, in our listening audience uh, who have maybe watched a Frank D'Angelo film and don't know about Frank D'Angelo, <laughs> can you please explain to them who Frank D'Angelo is? And maybe The Last Save is the greatest film ever made where it's 40 minutes of washed up NHLers playing shinny. <laughs> <laughs> so Frank D'Angelo, Canadian entrepreneur, yeah. Uh, teach, I think, I'm going to say In Your Ear Productions is the exact production company he has. Yeah. This is hilarious. Now, he's had some actors along the way. If you know Katie, you know, like you've heard of Margot Kennedy, you've heard of Art Hindle, which are definitely actors. But, um, James Woods? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, Italian, Canadian, Sicilian family, Sicilian vampire, The Being Frank Show, The Neighborhood, Real Gangsters, The Joke Thief, The Red Leaf. Like, you, you already get a sense here. This is not exactly. Academy Award caliber type films. This is, you know, yeah. coming from Frank's heart, Frank's neighborhood. Uh, I guess the polite way would say it'd be gritty, you know, tough. But I, I, I think the other way would be schlocky and B-movies. B That's, by the way, to explain it best. Like, if you can sit through, and if you're bored this weekend, try to watch The Last Save. I dare you. I dare you to sit through The Last Save. I dare you. All right. Uh, again, it's, it's 40 minutes of shinny. Alexi Yashin's in that movie, too. The last big save. I, the last big save. Yeah, starring Frank D'Angelo. The last big shave would have been great. Hey, my, my, my favorite thing is he has one like more shave, but that's it. Yeah. My favorite thing is he has like two hundred thousand Twitter followers, which I'm sure he didn't buy at all. Adnan, I'm sure those are all legitimate. <laughs> and they're not all Russian bots. Anyway, unlike uh, the characters in his films, these are legitimate. Yeah, I dare <laughs> you to watch that film. Uh, go watch it. And Sicilian Vampire is literally a gangster who's a vampire. What a great idea for a movie. <laughs> Um, all right, Adnan. I uh, wanted to ask you about old-timey sports before we talk about NHL and Major League Baseball. These are real movies yeah, with, like, legitimate well, movie stars. I was just thinking, how would you know also, he was from Italy if you didn't call him a Sicilian vampire? Sorry, one thing. He also didn't have scripts to the movies where it was just, like, free-for-all. Anyway, Adnan, I wanted to ask you. It's Kentucky Derby weekend. Uh, which yeah. is the best old-timey sport or sporting event? Uh, a heavyweight boxing match. The Kentucky Derby or the Indianapolis 500? Which is on your pinnacle of old-timey sports? Heavyweight boxing, without question. Again, I'm not okay. saying that because I was in book George Foreman, but having done some boxing for DAZN, hosted a few fights, worked with Sugar Ray Leonard, got to call a few fights. Like, it's awesome. I mean, I went to Saudi Arabia. It was unbelievable there for, for Andy Ruiz at that time. You know, it, it was an amazing strike. For those that forget, Andy Ruiz is, you know, one of these tomato cans you don't expect anything of. He wins the title. You're like, oh, he's never going to be able to compete it again. So they set up a rematch, the Clash of the Dunes, 
taking place against AJ in literally Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, somebody told me, I think it was Joe Tessitore, he goes, the best thing about, well, I'm going to be the best, but one of the charms of boxing. He said, any other sport, the best part is obviously the ending. I'm like, right. He goes, a boxing, that may not necessarily be the case. It might be a bad fight, right? The guy's just dancing around, the guy wins on points, whatever. But the best part, which will never not be great, is the ring walk. And when I, he was absolutely yeah. right, when you're there and they dim those lights, George and Maddie, it's insane. The crowd goes nuts, and the guy is coming. It's old school gladiators. You're either going to roam, and one guy's going to get beaten, and one guy's going to win, and that's it. And that, that anticipation is something I've never seen in any other sport, and it's really cool to bottle up when you're actually there. So I know boxing is not what it once was. Of course, it's you know, barely a top 10 sport now. But if you tell me a heavyweight fight, like we get a good fight, like, Fury and Wilder, like that, that fight was awesome. Like there's boxing still capable of coming up off the map. Yeah. Whereas Indy 500, listen, I, I loved it as a kid. I'm sure drinking the milk, Emerson Fittipaldi, Alanzer Jr. Mm. I had a buddy who was a big gearhead, but I, I, I couldn't even. If you gave me a multiple choice, I wouldn't know who won any of like the last 20 Indy 500. And I remember as a kid loving it, like, oh yeah, this is great. It's such a cool event. Old time. Um, and what was the, uh, horse racing? So the Derby, I've always said I wanted to go. And I've asked people what they go, i got to be honest with you. And I go, well, here we go. They go, it's fine, but it's just a big booze fest. Like, it's just a bunch of mint juleps, and you get to wear funny yeah. hats. And like, I'm kind of steer sucker. Uh, like, first of all, yeah, right. and it's not a hat. It's a fascinator, okay? <laughs> and Correct. a mint julep is actually terrible. It actually tastes terrible, yeah, not a mint good. julep. No. It gets you there, but it tastes terrible. But it's about the fascinators and Tom Brady being half in the bag talking to NBC Sports while he's there with his buddies on a private crew that he just flew in on. Exactly. That that is exactly it. Who what rich, famous person is acting yeah. like a jerk right now? Yeah. And we get to look like we're in the nineteen thirties. And you're right. In terms of old timey, Kentucky Derby is about as old timey as it gets. And the actual <laughs> spectacle of the race, it's two minutes and nobody really cares. Nobody knows who these horses are. Nobody really knows the trainers. The only the only one who knows is Bob Baffert. Yeah. He's unbelievable because yeah. he, he just looks like money. D. Like, Wayne Lucas? Because he looks like D. Money. Wayne Lucas? <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. But Bob Baffert, if you said to me, what does money look like as a human? <laughs> I'd say Bob Baffert. <laughs> <laughs> look at this guy in his big yeah, sack his big of cash. white hair. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned it, the Indy 500. Like, is there a worse winning tradition than drinking buttermilk? <laughs> it's, it's so weak, honestly. Like, and again... I remember as a 10-year-old going, oh, my God, it's so cool. They drink the milk at the end. Oh. And like, you get to an age and you go, who the hell thinks, what? Why would you do that? Like, yeah. when, there's, there's no, like, unless there's some cookies, unless there's some President's Choice mm. decadent you're dunking in that milk, I got no time for it. Uh, old time spelled O-L-D-E-T-Y-M-E, yeah. uh, just for context. <laughs> yeah. Adnan. Adnan Verka joining us, MLB NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. 960 the fan uh how much in trouble are the toronto maple leafs right now adnan uh, gigantic and, and i have people who say well you know he was to come back into a look at the rangers and i'm like no, no i watched that game last night that is a colossal loss like it's one thing to lose game on a home ice because as you guys know historically when a team pulls off an opposite like the panthers did against the bruins and shame on those big bad bruins again choke artists Classic Boston choke for those guys. Mm-hmm. But when the, when, the, when the team wins that game seven, they come roaring back in 3-1, they're great in game one. They absolutely always are. Can you think, well, no, they're going to be tired. They just emptied the tank. No, no, no. They arrive the wave and the crescendo, and they're still hot, still fresh. They invariably do great in the next series. So I was not surprised whatsoever they beat the Leafs in game one. But I said, well, Leafs will get game two. We even this things up, we go home. And they come out like a house on fire. They're going to blow the doors off. 2 nothing lead. Oh, my God, it's a rout. 
for Florida to come back in that game and then Bobrovsky to stand on his head in the third period, I know the shots, I think, were 11-11, but you look at the high-danger chances, all the analytics, et cetera. Bobrovsky was, was keeping them in it. For them to win that game, that's got to be catastrophic for Toronto. Because, again, everything has to be done with by rationale and logic. Again, game one, we were a little flat. They were coming the hot. But game two, we knew what was at stake. We had to win this game. We came out great, and then we eased up, and they took over. And now they're going to go back to sunrise. Again, game three now becomes the proverbial must-win. And, sure, Toronto wins 2-1 series. But we all know the way this thing can go. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida wins this thing in five now. They just win game three, five. Woo. And then the Panthers win game four, that's it. Like, it's and that, and you get in this habit, right? Oh, playoff hockey, every series goes six or seven. Well, not always. Ask the Jets. Like, this could be over quicker than you think. So, um, at least I think I'm in a heap of trouble. Um, I, I've been talking about this today. Um, the first two, game, first two games of the series, Austin Matthews has been underwhelming. And if you want to be considered the upper echelon of the National Hockey League. It's great that you can score 60 goals in the regular season, and he was great in the first round of the playoffs. But Adnan, he's been a ghost the first two games of this series, and they just need a ton more from him and Mitch Barner. And stop me if you've heard this before when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and that's where, again, the frustration lies because it is the same old story. Like, the first round, I kept saying, if they don't win this round... Massive changes coming. Dubas loses his job. Keith's going to be out of a job. Um, you know, one member of the core is going to get traded. We thought this happened a year ago. It didn't. But by the one more year. And now, by virtue of winning a round, do you say, oh, okay, they're going to be fine? And, of course, the answer is no. Like, it depends how the rest of the series goes. And Matthews clearly isn't going anywhere. But, like you said, Marner might. Like, he just had a spectacular season. You know, they can get a, a massive haul for this guy if he continues to be a playoff disappointment. And, again, to me, it's all about expectations versus reality. If your team is kicking above their weight, if they're underdogs and they fall flat, you go, all right, at least it was a good run. It happens. But in the case of the Leafs, this is a loaded team. My brother doesn't watch hockey nearly as much as he used to. He texted me yesterday. He goes, well, you know, for the Leafs, maybe they're underdogs in some way. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I know that the Panthers are a lower seat, but they won the President's Trophy a year ago. I said, listen, the Leafs are the better team on paper, unequivocally. Don't even look at the points. Look at the rosters. They should win this series. No excuses. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. And if they don't, it's because their stars didn't show up and they are virtues are going to be completely bashed apart by the Leafs fan base, as they should be. Is it, a, is it an antagonistic fan base, as you and I know, George? Of course. But they'll be right. If these guys are ghosts, they should get bashed. What's the difference between getting swept in the second series and losing in the first round? It's a good point, Matty. Like, because you think all of a sudden, well, we went around, and all of a sudden we have some, some sort of support. And, like, well, no, what, I'm with you. I don't think there's any difference. If I... If my team wins the first one, but I get swept in the second, and I still have high expectations, well, no. Because like, you're going to try to tell yourself, well, we, we made steps. What, after 19 years we won a round? Like, congratulations. Like, let's, let's do a little better than that. And I do think there's something to be said for how you lose. I know some would argue, well, a loss is a loss. But I think if you lose in a hard-fought seven-game series, it's much different than getting swept. Which, again, it's on the table. I don't think it happens, but, dude, that game was catastrophic again. Maybe not uh, to the same extent of panic, but the Blue Jays are also having their own set of struggles right now. They just got swept by the Red Sox. They've now lost five straight. Wasn't a good run through the rotation over the last five games. What are you seeing with the Jays, and are you seeing some some reasons to worry, although we are still relatively early on in the season? Yeah, it's surprising, Matty, because prior to going into the series, Blue Jays have looked awfully good, particularly how potent their offense is. Um, Chapman's having an MVP season. He's leading in literally all slash line categories of average and OBP and slugging. And Vlad and Bichette will do what they do. And, and the starting pitching, 
You felt really good about Gossman. Manoa has yet to get rolling. Barrios, better the last few starts. Kikuchi, not bad. And then Boston just took the sledgehammer to them. And I texted my buddy Alex Cora. I said, hey, take these in the Jays here. And he wrote back, forget it. They, they murdered us a year ago. I think the Jays went like 16-3 and three against the Red Sox a season yep. ago. So this is, this is Boston's sweet revenge. And for Boston, they're kicking above their weight. Like, I, I don't know anybody who thought Boston Red Sox would be good this year. I think I had them at maybe 75 to 80 wins. And I said, probably last in that division. That's how good that division is. It's rare to have every team above 500. They're, they're the best division in baseball. There's obviously the balanced schedule, only 13 games rather than 19 games. But Boston's not going to be good, I, I, period. I go, they're pitching stinks. And instead, they just pushed around Toronto like little brothers. Like, it was kind of shocking to see it. And I think for Toronto, it, it, it's glaring and it exposes some of their weaknesses, mainly that the pitching isn't nearly as good as they thought. Like, Boston, no matter what, is always going to have a good offense. Playing in that park in Boston, you just know they're going to put up runs. Somehow, someway, they're scoring five or six a night. You're going to have to pitch well. And the Jays yeah. just didn't pitch well, period. And the disappointment, again, Manoa, who you thought was going to be the guy, again, hasn't taken steps forward. And Gossman yesterday, I mean, that, he looked shell-shocked. I mean, it was 6 nothing in the second. I'm like, what is going on right now? It was stunning. Um, and then um, two things I want to get to. Number one, uh, if there's a city in a show that does some hot National League talk, it's this one. Um, which team is more surprising, the Mets at 16 and 16 or the Cardinals at 10 and 22? I'm going to shred the Cardinals today, as a matter of fact. I do a segment okay. called the AV Files, or do some mini essays, and I'm going to just bury them today. So I think it's, it's the Cardinals, because the Mets, at least, George, I could talk myself into. Verlander finally made his debut yesterday. He was okay. Give up a couple earned over five, former team against the Tigers. Scherzer had that suspension for 10 games, missed 13 days. Okay. And, like, you know, I, I can give you a couple excuses there, the aging aces. And it's a really good division. Like, uh, no one's catching the Braves no matter what. They're going to win that thing. But, yes, with that payroll, you're right. They're expecting a lot better than 500. But the Cardinals are horrific. And, again, with balanced scheduling, there's less games intra-division. But are you kidding me? How, how do the Pirates have the most wins in that division? Like, I hope it's for real. I hope Pittsburgh continues. I don't think it will, but it's a good story. McCutcheon Renaissance, they're pitching really good. Oviedo's been really good for them. Velasquez has pitched well. Jack Sawinski's really good. Uh, Key Brian Hayes, terrific defensively. Like, you know, they've got some players now. When a year ago, all you knew was O'Neill Cruz. But at the end of the day, it's the Pirates. And you're the Cardinals. Arenado's been horrible. Their pitching's been awful. They only have one guy hitting, which is Goldschmidt. It's um, Nolan Gorman's been okay, but it's kind of shocking how bad they've been. And, and I'll be honest, guys, of, of the Cardinals, that's one of those fan bases that irks me because there's a real kind of arrogance to them. So uh, they're introducing some losing this year to the Cardinal way. I don't, I don't see it getting any better. Um, and then before I let you go, I've been teasing this story uh, the last hour or so. Um, according to CBS News, and you're a New Jersey native, correct? Uh, not native, but I currently live in New Jersey. No, not native, sorry, but you live in New Jersey. I know, yeah, you're from the GTA. Sorry, my bad. Um, I'm okay. just I'm just stupid sometimes, and it's early in the morning, and I'm whacked out on cold meds. Um, I knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, according to CBS News, hundreds of pounds of cooked pasta has mysteriously been dumped in New Jersey woods. Have you heard of this story, and now are you going to run with a plate to the woods in New Jersey looking for approximately 500 pounds of pasta that has been dumped yeah. in the woods in New Jersey? And it's not, it's like all types, too. It's cooked. It's cooked. Yeah, as soon as we get off this call, I'm grabbing at least three pots, and I'm just going to run <laughs> screaming, manja, manja, in yeah. direction, with a wooden spoon, just to yeah. it to the sky. Manja, manja. Yeah. Eventually, I will take you to this pasta, because I... I love pasta. I love Italian food. One of the best things about living in Jersey is there's a lot of Italians here, of course, home of the Sopranos. But that's a stunning story. Cooked pasta being dumped. That is 
an epic waste of something which I'm sure is savory. Yeah, there is. It's like a dump truck's worth of pasta. Oh, it's five hundred. It's an estimated five hundred pounds, though. And especially it's all kinds. Like I, I could eat spaghetti, fettuccine, rigatoni, penne all day. Like if it's, I could just swim in a vat of pasta. I want to get in that dump truck and go swimming. I'm looking forward to ten years from now when we finally figure out how the pasta got there for the inevitable hyperbole movie. Like you know, cocaine bear was based on the idea that a whole bunch of cocaine got left in the woods, and then a bear went and found it. And hasta la vista. That's how you have it. So I'm looking forward to the movie ten years from now where we find out why the pasta is actually there. Right. Pasta truck coming through. Yeah, yeah I like it. Uh, Adnan, um, we're really excited about your uh, film debut, or, or at least being in this movie. Um, we're excited for that. Congratulations, pal. And go back and watch The Last Big Save. I dare I'm you to sit say, through I'm, that I'm, entire movie. I dare you. On behalf you. of Frank D'Angelo, it was been a pleasure, fellas. Go support his Twitter <laughs> following. Let's get that 200,000 yeah. to 300,000. I'm surprised he doesn't have like 3 million people following on Twitter because he's such a <laughs> global superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, great job as usual, pal. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, boys. Talk soon. And then Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. Uh, joined the guys in the morning this week. Uh, Done the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I uh, mentioned the Pittsburgh Pirates in there. They are the next opponent of the Toronto Blue Jays. Kick off a weekend series tonight. Uh, it'll be Chris Bassett on the mound for the Jays, who have lost five in a row. Pittsburgh countering with Rich Hill. Uh, he is going for them. He's got a 4.18 ERA. Pirates coming off uh, loss in the series against Tampa Bay. They've lost four in a row uh, themselves, heading into tonight's matchup with the Jays. Like I mentioned, 435 first pitch. You can catch that game on Sportsnet 1. Uh, the rest of the Sportsnet Network is going to be dedicated to the Devils and the Hurricanes. That one, a 6 o'clock puck drop. It is your only uh, playoff game in the NHL tonight. Uh, as far as Wranglers hockey goes, we've got game four. Wranglers and the Abbotsford Canucks from Abbotsford. Sandra Persina will be on the call. We have our pregame show at 7.30 with GVP and Azam. 8 o'clock, Sandra's got the call right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Don't want to miss that. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy a great weekend of weather here in the city of Calgary. We will be back on Monday. But coming up next, the one and only, the uber-talented Haley Salvian's got you next for Hockey Central 960, Hockey PDO Cast, and Flamestock, all still to come as the afternoon rolls on here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.